want you to join us and become part of it. But I'm here today more to bring you a message. And as you've got baptisms today, I want, the, I want the message to be something which helps you to understand the times and what it means to be Christians here in the United Kingdom and certainly beyond, because clearly you're a mission-minded church, a globally-minded church, but to really understand the times that we're living in. And what does it say when those of you get baptized today, what does it say to say, I'm following Jesus Christ and I, as I knew that it was a baptism service today, it, in my heart, I went to these words. And this is, um, so this is sort of off script um, in terms of what I wanted to say to those of you in particular um, who are getting baptized today in the context of the message that I'm going to bring to you. So this is in Mark chapter 8. Uh, it was after... Um, uh, Peter had denied Christ and then, com then confessed that he was Lord. He, he then, uh, Jesus then says this, And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever will come after me, let him deny myself and take up his cross and follow me. So I'm going to ask the question, what does it mean to take up your cross today in the United Kingdom? For whosoever will save his life shall 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 lose it sorry i can't quite it's quite small print i've borrowed a book. so and this is my age showing here but whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it for what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul all right what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul Whoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed. Ashamed of what? Ashamed of Jesus and what? And his words. All right? Jesus isn't just a buddy. When you get baptized today, I know for those of us that follow Jesus, as we, we drank his blood... We partook of his flesh because he died on a cross for us. So actually, he died. He became, and his, it was, as Angela said, it was his sin that took us there, that kept him on a cross. What are we prepared to die for? It's not just about living for Jesus. Are we prepared to die for him? And we have to not be ashamed of him and his words. And it's his words and where they're under attack in this nation at this time that I'm going to speak to you as I, about, as, I come, as I come to you now. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? I'm Andrea Minichiello Williams. That means that I've got an Italian father on my wedding day. Andrea Minichiello, such a beautiful name, such a resonant name, so poetical. Andrea Rose Williams, yuck. <laughs> he does love my husband uh, 28 years later, but he was, he was a bit sad about me losing that Minichiello bit. Um, he, um, we grew up on a business. My dad was an Italian waiter. He kept all his tips. He bought a hotel. So I grew up in the service industry. When I was four, my mum and dad put me on a bus to go to Sunday school, cherish your children. They weren't Christians at that time. They've become Christians now. Mrs. Hibbs, my first Sunday school teacher, told me all about Jesus. And I fell in love with Jesus there and then. And I can't remember a moment when I have not loved the Lord Jesus Christ. At age eight, I was home from school watching Crown Court on the television. Some of you may remember of it, though you're quite young, so maybe not. There, was, there were law programs before Suits and LA Law, yes? This was Crown Court. And I said to my mum, I was home with chicken pox, I said to my mum, when I grow up, I want to be a barrister, and I'm never going to change my mind. And that night, I always used to pray on my basil brush carpet, that night before I got into bed, I was there praying as my usual prayer. God bless mum, God bless dad the cat, God bless dad, God bless Sam the cat, amen. And then I said this, and dear Lord Jesus, if it is your will, please may I pass the 11 plus so that I can go to the grammar school, so that I can become a barrister. And I prayed that prayer every single night 
until the Lord granted me the desire of my heart. And I was one of two children from Top Hill Junior School that went across to Weymouth. This grew up in the south of England, um, to Weymouth Grammar School. I was very determined then at Weymouth Grammar School to do my very best and to get the grades so that I could study law at university and go on and become a barrister. At 15, I stood up at a missions conference, something like New Day, big plug for New Day. I stood up at a missions conference and I said, Lord Jesus, I'm utterly surrendered. I'll go wherever you you have me go. I'll do whatever you have me do. I want my every second to count, but please can I still be a barrister? (laughs) And I went on and I qualified and I practiced criminal and family law for eight years. And during that time, I pioneered the student and the policy work of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship, out of which grew Christian concern, which is to be a voice for Jesus Christ in the public space, therefore speaking his truth, where his truth is under attack in our laws and in the public space. And I also then formed the Christian Legal Center because Christians were beginning to get into trouble with the law in the United Kingdom just for being Christian, just for not being ashamed of Jesus. Not simply, it's not just there, it's Jesus and his words and his righteousness and all the things that flow from him. Now, if you had ever told me when I qualified exactly 30 years ago, June 1988, if you told me that I would be in court representing nurses who were suspended for offering prayer to patients. I would have said, impossible, impossible. If you had ever told me I would be representing teachers who were in trouble because they said that marriage was between a man and a woman and weren't sufficiently inclusive, I'd have said, never. It wouldn't have even been a concept in my mind that marriage could be anything other than between a man and a woman in 1988. So the times have changed, and they've changed quickly. I am a visual example, in a sense. I'm 53 years of age, and it's, and it's happened in my lifetime. The one thing that I can say is that if it can happen that quickly, then with God, can it not turn back very quickly? And we are to be a movement. We're not to be ashamed of Jesus and his words. And what does that mean? And so what I want to say to you as the church, as the local church, because Jesus has to work through his people, how will you turn, first of all, your life upside down as as you walk into baptism, but then your marriage and your family's life, then your community's life, and a nation's life. That's how it works. That's how it works. Because Jesus is not just... it's. We brought into a world of individualism, yes? And we've allowed ourselves to be kowtowed by the idea of individualism. Your truth is that truth. My truth is this truth. I'll keep my truth to myself. You know what? Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. So do you know what? Heaven and hell depend on it. Eternal destinations depend on it. And right now, right now... Where is the United Kingdom heading? Heaven or hell? Who has God got to speak of him in this nation? Who? Us. It's actually serious. It's serious. And so, as we think this morning, as we're, in a, as we're doing, as you're in your month of evangelism, as you're in your month of outreach, what does it mean to speak to a nation that, that has no tools to understand, in a sense, just has no tools to understand what truth is. Truth, truth is stumbled. Truth is nowhere to be seen in the streets. We don't even know what gender is anymore. In this school, they will be teaching that gender can be anything you want it to be. They'll be teaching that, that sex is recreational, not procreational. They'll be teaching that God did not make the world. That you came from an ape. Truth is stumbling in the streets and our children, our precious little children are growing up, yes, and I'm going to say this word, it's a whole, propagandized. They don't know how to think straight. Who's going to help our children think straight? Who? Correct. And are you equipped to think straight? 
Are you equipped to think straight? Because actually, in this building, in the mornings, Pastor Joseph, it's like training, again, this is strong language, but for a battleground. Because when we go out into the streets, we're the truth bearers. We're the truth bearers. And where God's truth is under attack in the streets, where we see all that stuff that's going on, all the muddle, we've got to speak clarity and beauty and love and joy. Because it's, and it's not just love, the power of love. It's not just love. It's truth. So we have to go out with hearts that are soft, hearts that are full of compassion, hearts that have the courage to speak truth to a world that might not want to hear it or that's been so propagandized it can't hear it. But you know what? It's as if we've lost a belief that, in, that there is power in the gospel, power in the very speaking of the gospel. So now to my slides. Aha. Uh-huh. We're not to be ashamed of I love the t- I love your the name of your church Christian life. In this place we're to model Christian life and we're to make to show the world, show this community what Christian life is like. Do I get to see my slides on this monitor? No. We say that Jesus Christ is public truth. He is king, he is lord of this nation. And one day every knee shall bow, everything is held in his hand. And what is the gospel, folks? What is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But you know, it's not just about in heaven. Thy kingdom come where? On earth. And who's to bring his kingdom? We're to bring his kingdom. We're to bring his truth, his words uh, on earth. And you know what? There's not one bit of the Bible, not one word of the Bible that's outside of his truth. So let's look at Genesis 1. God made. Yes, you know what? Our children, they need to be told, you are beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made in God's image. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And you know what? You're all made with a plan and a purpose for him. Wherever you are, it's right where God wants you. Commit your life to him and he will make your path straight to speak of him wherever you are and wherever you have influence. But God made, and he made man and he made woman and he made man and woman to be married and he made man and woman to have children, to subdue the earth and to have children. Baptism today. We are to be personally saved. We are to be rooted in the word of God, immersed in prayer and in the reading of the word of God every single day. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done as has been seen in the sight of God. Everyone who does evil hates the light. That's strong language. We always very, we are, we're often on John 3.16 only at the very beginning bit of the verse. But everyone who does evil hates the light, hates God. That's a strong statement, isn't it? Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness. For since the the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. It's clear in this nation, this great nation... This great nation, God's favor was on this nation. We took the gospel to the far-flung places of the earth. Our missionaries were prepared to die for the gospel. There will be some of you here because missionaries went to the lands of your fathers and your grandfathers. But what have we become now? Uh, for though they knew God, they neither glorify God. Great Britain, you, you knew God but you neither glorified him nor you gave thanks to him. And your thinking became futile and you exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images and mortal human beings. Is that not what we've done? Where are our our idols in this nation? Our sex. Yes? Body image. Freedom. Freedom that brings slavery. Actually, we don't know how to behave. Chaos. We have extraordinary idols all over the place. Therefore, God gave them over 
to the sinful desires of their hearts. We were talking about Romans times. Sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Is that true? Is that what we, is that what we even encourage our young people into? Sadly, as a nation, is it not? And they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things. And God gave them over to their shameful lusts. And men exchanged relations with men and women exchanged relations with women. This is, a, this is in, Paul here is speaking about a nation that is handed over. Does that sound a bit like where we are today in this nation? So we suppress the truth. We exchange the truth for a lie. We worship the lie. We practice the lie. And then we approve of the lie in law. And we punish those, we punish those that will not conform to the lie. That's why I'm in court representing teachers that say marriage is between a man and a woman. That's why the, the gospel is public truth. It's not individual truth. It's public truth. It's really important. And we are to make our stand wherever we are. The local church must make her stand locally. 30 years as a, as a lawyer, and I believe that I've done my best to fight every single cultural battle in law and in the parliament with my team. I'm standing against the liberalization of abortion laws and um, marriage laws. And I've been so focused there thinking if, the, if we just win this battle in parliament, if we just win this battle in the courtroom, then the church will wake up and see, or oh, we'll be all right. I stand here and tell you, I've lost, we've lost. And we've been there, but we've lost. It's a great big mess. And what's been dawning on me of late um, is that what's required, it's not going to cut it. Because actually, on the, the, the law courts don't love God. Parliament doesn't love God. They legislate. They approve of evil. The Romans 1 picture that I just showed you. I'm going to demonstrate this to you in a moment. Because these are strong words. They don't like God's Jesus' words. They don't like the gospel. And so what we actually need is a cultural renewal of every aspect of life. So this school needs to be culturally renewed. We need teachers and policymakers and education influencers. We, we need mothers at the school gate and involved in schools. We need lawyers and musicians and there isn't one and bankers and, and in every sphere of society standing for the public proclamation of the gospel. Because where are we all? I mean, there are quite a few of us, but we're completely absent in the public space. You see, this group of people should be turning upside down the local community. This number of people. Are you? I'm not from here. I, I think you're gonna be making a difference. I can see the vibrancy here, right? I can see the vibrancy, but you know, are you? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, yeah. The church is to be the prophet and the priest to the king. It's a public declaration, a public proclamation. By meeting here together this morning in a world that's gone insane, we certify our sanity. All right. And the only thing that it takes, as it, uh, the famous Edmund Burke saying, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. We are the good men and women meeting here today. And this, and it's the crop, we have to take up our cross. Now, I've got a lot to get through and I've got about 20 minutes left, all right, um, according to the clock here. So I'm, I know that I'm gonna be speaking fast and jumping over slides. Can you stay with me for this, this ride? Um, and note that everything, um, Every single facet um, is intertwined, um, is intertwined. Every single facet uh, counts of what I'm speaking, going to seek to say. The coronation oath, the queen promised, was presented with a Bible. 
our gracious queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law of God and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of princes, we present you with this book. This is royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. This is wisdom. This is in our, this is in our unwritten constitution. The Bible is lively wisdom, lively oracles of God from God. When the queen came to the throne, 4.2% of babies were born outside of wedlock. Now it's 46.8. When the queen came to the throne, there were 350,000 marriages. Today, there are 240,000 marriages with 12 million more people in our population. In 1952, divorce was rare, affecting about 34,000 couples. Today, in 2012, 20, um, 2018, the, the statistics are the same. It is 120,000 divorces. In 1967, so 51 years ago, the Abortion Act was passed and there was the decriminalization of homosexuality. There's been a massive cultural shift, cultural revolution. For the first time in 1967 in our laws, we did not protect life. Life. We, for the first time, made an exception. We said abortion um, is illegal unless a mum's life is at risk or the physical or mental problems to the mother or child are greater if she continues with the pregnancy. 98% of abortions in our nation today are carried out because two doctors sign off to say that the mother's mental health will be more damaged if she continues with the pregnancy. Do we see how that simply isn't true? But actually, we're so we're deceiving. Even the medical profession deceives itself. It was supposed to, uh, the Abortion Act was supposed to create a situation whereby abortion would be very rare, but would happen in occasional circumstances. But what are the statistics? In 1967, there were 21,000 abortions. Today, in 2018, there are 210,000 abortions. The statistics came out this last week in the past year. There's one abortion every three minutes. Nearly 600 abortions every single day. Since the passing of the act, there have been 9 million abortions. That is a silent holocaust. You see that cultural revolution has been legal, but very bloody. Do you see? There are nine million missing citizens in the United Kingdom. Now, we must care for the woman in an unplanned pregnancy. We must care for the father. We must care for the unborn child. It's we that's the answer. Who can save the children of South London? Who? You can. Who can look after the mums and the babies? You can. Is the church too small in this nation not to save 600 babies every day? Not to make the humanity of the unborn child precious and seen? Doctors that try to save the babies are put at risk. We managed to save this person's license. She was reported by fellow doctors. These um, Catherine Sloan shows pictures of aborted babies in, in public places. She was arrested, put in a police cell. I went and had to get her and her colleague out of the police cell. It took 18 months for them to come to trial. They were charged under the Public Order Act for causing harassment, alarm, and distress. Well, abortion does cause harassment, doesn't it? It does cause alarm and distress. Why? Because abortion protests itself. If we can't look at it, then why is it legal? And you see, what the elites want to do is they want to medicalize, de they want to uh, sanitize um, abortion and its reality. And you see, we're also propagandized because we're all told it's just a clump of cells. It's not a human life. This last month, this is the scenes of jubilation in Northern Ireland when, they, when abortion was granted, 70% of the population. They can't see anymore the humanity of the unborn child. When you have women popping champagne corks and screaming shouts of joy, you know that we're in a quite a dark place. It's not their fault, you know. It's because truth has stumbled in the streets. They're blind. And who has God to speak? Only us. When the mothers, when the mothers can 
can celebrate the right to kill their children, we're in a very dark place. And when the fathers aren't there saying, no, stop, women. I have four children. I am ferocious, aged between 16 and 23, even though they're aged between 16 and 23. I'm ferocious about my children. Yesterday, my 23-year-old had a problem during the day. I had to go and solve her problem, if I possibly could. I'm ferocious. I'm a mother. What is it that will kill that spirit? Why is it the most vulnerable place to be is in the mother's womb? We have a Supreme Court. Judges this week said that they didn't have the ability to change the law in the United Kingdom, but they felt, and extend the law to Northern Ireland, but they felt that it was, that the Northern Ireland's position of not allowing for abortion was not compatible with human rights. So you've got judges going the wrong way. Remember, they look very benign. They look very sane. They look very legal, <laughs> very right. Who wouldn't believe a judge? And incredibly, immediately, uh, an MP uh, gave a, um, issued for an emergency debate on essentially decriminalizing abortion up to birth. And this argument was all about, this is last week, this is just last week. And this was all about mums having the, women have the right to their bodies. All right? And, um, and that's what it was all about. Not, for, not once did we really hear on that debate any notion of it being a moral dilemma, from the, certainly from the pro-abortion side. There were voices on our side. For them, it's not even a moral dilemma anymore, and they want to make it medical. It's a medical service, and the medical profession has voted to make it a medical service. Doctors, doctors should, that should be saving life, now want to make this a medical service. Alfie Evans, if you followed that in the news, that was one of our cases. The, the judge said that it was in Alfie's best interests to die. This young father, a plasterer from Liverpool, believed that his child was responding to him and incredibly got access to a hospital in Rome that flew an ambulance to Older Hay Hospital. The ambulance was waiting there to take the child to Italy to look after the child. The judge said that child will not be moved. I've made an order. It's in his best interests to stop ventilatory support and he will die when the ventilation comes off. The ventilation came off. Alfie did not die and they wouldn't give him water or food. This is in an NHS hospital. And they guarded the room with a hundred, there were a hundred police officers at the, at the hospital so that Alfie would not be removed. This is the state doing this. The doctors and the lawyers. In this particular situation, there are doctors doing loads of wonderful work. <laughs> I've not got enough to kind of balance all of this up. Of course, of course there are. But you know, when we, when we idolize and trust the state, the medical profession, the lawyers, but when it's become corrupt, when it's become anti-Christian, we have to be in there speaking the truth and changing the situation. So a Christian concern, we've set up a pregnancy life helpline. It's very embryonic. We've been saving lives over the last five or six weeks since it's been running under the radar. We've actually saved a life every week. I want several lives every day. Because if we can't save them through the law, we're going to have to start doing it on the ground. That's one of my, um, that's one of my applications for this uh, church today. And we're also advertising a post. We need someone to come in there. It wasn't my design to do this pregnancy lifeline. I was kind of thinking, I'm not sure that's in our core remit. We've ended up doing it. I thank God because I've seen lives saved. Now we need someone to lead it, market it, take it, and and get this rolled out across the nation, saving. Let's save the 600 lives. Because otherwise they go straight to the state and straight to abortion. No truth line gets crossed and is outside um, of, um, oh, is on its own. So you get 
because the truth line gets crossed, in 1978, we can now make a baby in a laboratory, make, an make life in a laboratory, the first test tube, baby Louise Brown. Then in, 19, um, then in 2004, we have the, um, the first license to clone a human embryo. What's cloning? It's man making man in the image of man. You go from taking a life, 1967, to making a life, 1978, to 2004, faking a life. 2008, the Human Fertilization and Embryology Act, which allows for the creation of... Um, animal-human hybrid embryos. This is the mixing of cow's eggs and human sperm. This is anti-God. This is anti-being made in the image of God. Liberalizing of laws in relation to surrogacy, um, abortion, access to abortion. Now it's possible for people to have babies in any, in any way. Single, married, man and man, woman and woman. Um, they can have them naturally. Um, as in through a sexual expression, or they can have them by donor sperm or surrogacy, fostering and adoption, and every single grouping, single, married, two men, two women, man and woman, cohabiting, all of those groupings are now family according to the law, and all of them can have children in one way or another. So do you see how crossing a line in 1967, no longer respecting life as uh, made in the image of God, as precious leads to the redefining of family. We then get this as a possibility. Now, this is a woman uh, who is transgendering to be a man, but she wanted to have a baby. She had a baby by way of a, of a, a sperm from Facebook. Um, she's going to breastfeed the baby, then revert to being uh, looking like a man, and her wife is going to be the mother, and she is going to be the father. Now, our heart goes out to Evan. Our heart goes out to the partner. Our heart goes out to the child. But this is where we end up. This is our new normal. This is our new, rea new reality. This is what our children will be learning in their ethics classes, in this place, in this school. This is what, they, this is normal. This is the new normal. What can speak into this? What can change this? The gospel. I moved. Oh, I seems to have stopped clicking. All right. The generation that killed its children will be killed by its children. The right to die, the right to assisted suicide. Again, highly autonomous, for the strong, not for the weak. We are judged as a nation by how we treat our most vulnerable. With increasingly fragmented families, no one to look after anybody, someone that feel, begins to feel a burden, asks for assisted suicide, somebody who their people think is a burden or there's some access to money. Can you imagine? An injection of potassium chloride is a lot quicker than helping someone who's vulnerable at the end of life. Who's to speak into this? Only the church. Pattern for family. In 1960s, the same era, the rise of cohabitation, sex became recreational, not procreational. It began to be easier to get out of marriage, the rise in access to pornography. This is the most important issue, is that we failed to model the Genesis 1, man and woman made in the image of God, and to have children within that construct. The cost of family breakdown in our nation every year is... 51 billion. 51 billion pounds. Can you imagine if a number one policy objective was to model marriage? Our children would have mums and dads. The families would be better off. We wouldn't have the eating disorders and the, the, the identity disorders and all of those things if men and women were we, if we returned to the high ideal of matrimony, who's to model this? The church. Have we spoken of this? Have we modeled it? Not sufficiently. And some of the statistics about porn in the church at this time are so, I find it actually disabling. When I look at them, I, I almost can't get out the next day, certainly and look at, the, look at churches. We've got to get our act straight. Knowing that we are, of course, are all sexual sinners. Because you see, 
As we give up, so we end up in, in the Romans 1 situation, handed over, so the homosexual agenda arises. I'm made this way. It is my identity. The first gay pride festival was only in 1992. You then get laws that say um, that you're not, you must supply uh, services and there must be no discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation. It's a human right. The Adoption Act, uh, the Gender Recognition Act and the Same-Sex Marriage Act then leads to this being the new normal. Um, Tom Daly and Lance, they're married. They, they're now having a children apart, child, apart from they're not having a child, but this is the new normal, and this is all enshrined in law. In the meantime, adoption agencies that won't place children into same-sex households are closed because it's said that they discriminate, that they are bigoted, that they are phobic. Eunice and Owen John's beautiful couple had fostered 14 children. They were then uh, to go to be reassessed. They were told that their views on homosexuality would be an infection, would infect the child. They were told that because they came to a church a bit like this, that that would be damaging to the child. And the fact that they stayed in church and had food all day, that that would be damaging to the child. That was what I said. You were, according to the judge, according to the Equality Commission, what we do in here today infects a child. Well, yes, please, let's infect our children with the truth that they are made in the image of God. Let's infect and affect. And so that, let's do that. And you know what? Let's keep them safe because we have to start keeping our kids, as I've said already, keeping our kids safe. What does this look like? Now, mine are through the system, but I think we're in a new, we're in new territory. And we have to start, it might be Sunday school every day, you know. Why do we give our children out to nursery at two, one, two, three, four, to learn rubbish, to be propagandized by the state? We have, le we have kind of idolized the state education. Let's stop. Do the, does the state own the children? Or do we own the children? We are the, the mums and dads and the community that God gives to raise our children. What do children need to know until age 11? They need to read a lot. They need to, to do some maths. They need to be with their mum and dad. And they need to go out and have lots of fun and learn and play. They don't need thousands of exams and assessments. They need, don't need to be put into places where, it's no, where they're taught things that are peculiar and doesn't fit with what's at home. Let's start thinking differently. If they're not safe, we've got to think about bringing them out. It's important. It's important. Teachers here, it's important. Of course, if you can influence a school and collect the Andrea Williams, Andrea Minichiello's from the estate, go and do it. If you can take over your local school, go and do it. But don't, don't expect your children to go and fight the battleground on the gender ideology, on the sexual ideology, on the death ideology that currently pervades the state systems and state policies. We put our children on the battleground. They're not equipped. Even this good Sunday school will not be equipping them for what they are being propagandized on over years. The school has them nine o'clock till three or whatever it is every day. Do we think one hour of Sunday school is gonna deprogram them? Judges um, told that their views that a child does best with a mother and father, that's all it was, he was removed from the bench because he was, it was, and he was, he was ordered onto a, um, an education course in order to learn to think properly because he was biased and he allowed his Christian principles to affect him. David Cameron said that he introduced same-sex marriage because he was a conservative not despite being a conservative, but this is worse. The Archbishop of Canterbury says, it's in clearly essential that stable and faithful same-sex relationships should, where those involved want it, be recognized and supported with as much dignity and the same legal effect as marriage. That's the Archbishop of Canterbury. If you have a state church which does not speak clearly uh, when it's charged to, then you're in trouble. The Church of England has said it's going to issue a report on um, what marriage is in 2020. 2020. Can't the Archbishop of Canterbury tell us what sexual ethics are? He can't give a straight answer to that, was his, was his answer to Alistair Campbell in the, in the uh, GQ magazine. But you know what? I don't want to blame it all on the Church of England. Um, I ha where is the, the Baptist? Where are the Baptists? Where are the Methodists? Um, 
Where are the, where's the free church? And do you know what? I'm going to tell you this, and I, please understand that I'm coming with a heart that's soft. I hoped that the answer was going to be with the black majority churches. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, I thought, wow, they're growing. They're vibrant. They say it as it is. They're the ones where it's really happening. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not sure I see it. Um, but it's not too late. I've, I, I, what I've seen, what I feel that I've seen is quite a lot of gusto. But at, sometimes at points, you know, a letter from the Queen or a trip to 10 Downing Street or the offer of a peerage um, seems to count an awful lot. Um, and it silences the black majority churches and everyone else. But I didn't think it would silence you. What does a movement that's not ashamed of Jesus and his words look like? What do we look like? I don't know. There's no... I'm crying out to God, you know, because I think, you know, it's kaput. You know, I'm kind of thinking, Christian Concern, Christian Eagle Centre, we've we, it's like we're mopping up a mess of cases continually. A hundred cases come, hundreds of cases come through our doors. We can't do it anymore. We're mopping up the mess of this new normal. And it's like we're so busy mopping the floor that we can't stop it at source. Why do we have movements like Tommy Robinson and Brexit and this sort of stuff? Well, it's because people just don't know what to do. They know that something's wrong and they don't know what to do. Well, who's the answer to all of that? We are... But I don't know where the movement that claims Christ as Lord is coming from. I don't know what it looks like. I keep on asking him, where's it going to come from? Are we to be a church that goes into exile, which means that, um, you know, actually almost like underground, the true church that really believes this stuff, we do come out of exile, or are we to be a church that repents, reforms, and revives? Nick Clegg said all of this... Redefining a family will just become normal. Well, yes, look, I've told you, it comes, comes normal in your schools. These are curriculum books for your babies. And Tango makes three, Jack and Jim, clad in leather, perfect weather, loving kisses, so delicious. Gay pride, promoted in schools, school floats, going to gay pride. It's a happy day, they say. Tri primary school books, my princess boy. My princess boy loves to climb trees in his princess tiara. They teach that some girls have willies and some boys have girly bits. Puberty suppressants for our children. This is all going on. It's not lawful, the, 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 the puberty suppressants, but it's going on. Theresa May, just a couple of weeks ago, 24th of May, don't hide your love away, says PM, as she unveils the LGBT scheme. Can you see this is from the vicar's daughter? This is where it all gets messed up. The Archbishop of Canterbury calls for, and, all the, and, and, and the black majority churches are there as well, joining in with him, pleased to go to Lambeth Palace, saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But what does that mean? What does it mean? It means nothing. It means nothing if you can't speak into the culture. It, you know, Jesus isn't our buddy. He isn't just our buddy. To all of this ends up to be confusing. Much is made of the vicar's daughter. Much is made of this bold initiative, thy kingdom come. What, what does it mean if all it says is, is love? What was Michael Curry's sermon like? Wouldn't, anybody, wouldn't, wouldn't someone who didn't believe in God be, have been able to preach that same sermon? Of course. He is a, the, one of the leading LGBT activists in the United States. He equates being homosexual with being black. And he uses that language. It's a beautiful deception. But you see, these words that I speak aren't welcome words. I, 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 don't, I don't say, I, I'm, I tremble when I say this even here. One of our cases, October 2016, a family came. Bethany wanted to be John. She was 13. The state came in and said to her parents, social workers came in and said, you will call Bethany John. They said, no, we won't. We can't. They said, unless you do, uh, we, we say that that's emotional abuse and we will remove Bethany from you. They came to us 
We told it, we don't, we tell, we don't go to the newspapers hardly at all because we have so many cases, but occasionally we do. On this one we did. We applied some pressure, not revealing of course the child or the location or anything like that. This applied pressure and shone light into the darkness because all these terrible things, the family courts, all of this stuff is in darkness, yes? We shone darkness into this situation. We got help for Bethany. Some psyche, we shone light, we shone light, yes, into the situation. And we gave, we got her some help. 18 months later, Bethany is living as Bethany. She's about to do well in her GCSEs. But what about the stories we don't know? What about the Bethany's that have been given uh, testosterone? What about the Bethany's, and I know of these, that have a double mastectomy at age 18 before they start university? And all of this is being taught in our schools. We've got primary schools where drag queens are coming in to, to, and the Christian groups are being taken out because they're extreme. This is not extreme. Jesus and his words are extreme. Nigel and Sally were gorgeous parents. Uh, two two, two seven-year-olds in the school in Isle of, Isle of Wight are, are changing their gender. They can't, of course. And they sought to raise this, and they've turned around to look for other parents. All the other parents, lovely parents, are on mute. They turn around, and it's a Church of England school, and the Church of England school supports the transitioning of the children. So they turn around for the church, they turn around for support, and no one is there, and they're made to feel like pariahs. Who's to be there for them? The Christian Legal Center was there, but who else is to be there for them? We are. Teacher said, well done, girls, to a group of girls. One of them identifies a boy. He was suspended for gross misconduct. He was then reported as unfit to work with children. Um, and they now want to remove his teaching license. And they say that his association with Christian concern proves that he's an extremist. This is what the state is saying. The teachers, these social work uh, organizations, the teaching, those that um, give accreditation, preachers removed from the streets, chaplains removed from prison, chaplains removed from prison by a Muslim, by a Muslim imam, uh, occupational therapists, social workers no longer fit to practice, not fit to practice. He was at university and because he supported marriage between a man and woman, not fit to practice. I'm going very fast because I've got two minutes. Remove your purity ring. Remove your Facebook posts, otherwise you'll lose your job as a teacher. Uh, don't pray, nurse. It will offend. Remove your cross, electrician. It will offend the Muslims in the area. Don't speak about Jesus, doctor. Warning on your record. Your cross is not a Christian symbol, said 13 British judges. 13 British judges said the cross was not a Christian symbol. It took an ex-communist Polish judge in the European Court of Human Rights to say that the cross was a Christian symbol. And against all of this, this is where we end up. And against all of this, there is a rising religion in our country that understands itself very well. In some cities, the demographic is very strong. 2.7 million Muslims in the UK and more. 14% of the prison population is Islam, is Muslim. We love the Muslims, we want, but we, we love Muslims and we should plant churches in Muslim areas. But we must, um, we must expose what Islam is. Number one name, Muhammad, consistently now. Education being taken over by Muslim money. That means you can't properly critique Islam. Churches are converting to mosques. Halal food in all your chains. Qatari ownership in London, East and West. Sharia councils operating. Remember, Islam is a whole system. It's not like, a, it's not like we do church. Actually, they'll go to a, a mosque and, just, and their Sharia law will be implemented in the mosque. So Sharia marriages will take place, not recognized by the state, but more important to them than what takes place here. Parallel legal systems. We're dealing at a moment with a young woman who um, was taken in, was groomed and taken in by a gang. She was 15. For three years, she got systematically raped every night at six o'clock by a group of six Muslim men who rotated her. She had nine forced abortions taken 
taken to a Muslim doctor in the NHS hospital who carried out those abortions. Two children, eight weeks ago she gave birth to a daughter and now we are trying to help her. The, the state separated her from her child um, and I've had a text in overnight, her father has, has died, she was in a vulnerable family, she is absolutely distraught. Pray for her, pray for this young woman, remember her, we are trying to keep her safe, that's our safe haven project. Trying to keep, remember there were 1,200 women in Rotherham. A similar, um, a similar um, number has been exposed. The name's just gone from, from my head. It's in many cities. Islamic banking, we're at our end, end here. Go through this quickly. Muslims think that the way we are as a society is because of Christianity, and they think that Islam is the solution. 70,000 Muslim men in a public place in Birmingham. Okay? I want to see 70,000. Uh, do you know what? I take 7,000 men. Men. I'm talking about men. The way I, I think I've got a lot of faith for 7,000 women showing up, all right? <laughs> I want to take 7,000 Christian men in a public place claiming back the land. You know what? I'll take 700. that mean it, and that are public, and that are brave, and that will face up, and that will pick up their cross unto death, and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of his words. Partner with us, join with us, sign up. Don't let a moment of this miss your inbox, all right? We're God's dominion people, not simply to take people to heaven when we die. A shrunken gospel shrinks gospel ministry. Courage is the flower of conviction. Courage is what you do. And that's how you change the world in Christ, by the power of the gospel. It's the power of the gospel. For those of you that are being baptized today, go and have courage. Have courage to speak of him wherever you are. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And thank you for being here this morning. <laughs>